0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Some Steelers-related news to get to to start the festivities here on the Steelers Standard. We mentioned this in an earlier episode this week that he visited with the Arizona Cardinals, but James Conner and the Cardinals made it official just yesterday connor signs with the arizona cardinals on a one-year 1.75 million dollar deal he joins chase edmonds in the arizona backfield and before we get to what this clearly means for the pittsburgh steelers who let's be honest that that kind of price that connor went for they could have been in that In that race for James Conner's services, they clearly just did not want to be. But looking at it from the Conner perspective and the Arizona Cardinals perspective, I had said that bringing in James Conner might signal to me that it's not official they're going to pass on a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne when they eventually pick with, I think, the number 16 pick in the NFL draft because I don't see Conner as a starter. Jacob, you kind of went the other way on that one, saying that you could see Connor and Edmonds being the one, two in that backfield, and that seems to be the vibe that I'm getting from a lot of people around the league now. Is that they brought in Connor to be the complement to Chase Edmonds, not so much the number one guy. And maybe it is a little safer now if you're the Steelers that they might pass on the running back when they pick at 16. The Cardinals need some help at cornerback, so that might be where they look to go with their first overall pick now that they shored up their backfield with Connor. So. I think it could be good news in that aspect. And I think although he might not be the foreshore starter, uh, I think it's a Connor and Edmonds show in Arizona, at least from what I'm hearing from a lot of the experts in their opinion around the league based on this signing,
1: yeah, I think that's that's really is kind of what we're looking at here. Um and who knows? You know, maybe maybe um Connor outplays Edmonds. He becomes the number one guy. I think the same could be said for Edmonds yeah, too. I think like, it's, uh,
0: it's, you know. They're hoping for either or in Arizona. Right. You know, it's I, just I, kind of handing the keys to both of them and saying, one of you take it. Right.
1: It's more of a healthy competition. Uh, and I mean, not to say that whoever doesn't win the job isn't going to play because they are. And we've seen that that Cardinals offense be super dynamic. You think, um, you know, last year with Kenyon Drake and Edmonds, Edmonds, you know, still found his way in, even though, you know, Drake was the starter. I'm sure that's kind of the idea. Here, I know that Connor's not as dynamic as you know, as Kenyon Drake or anything like that, but I'm sure that is the thinking, I'm sure that's the way they're going. And honestly, good for James Connor. I mean, you know, we've talked about him and we've even questioned if he's a top 20 back in this league. Um, but he has a team, and if he can produce, um, I think it's going to be a good situation for him because he's in a good offense and an offense that kind of needs that. Power guy, kind of like we've been talking about. Edmonds is more not a, not a scat back or like a Darren Sproles type guy, but he's more elusive. And I think that offense needs a guy like James Conner to kind of be that ground and pound guy, get three four yards of carry.
2: Yeah, I think Kellen, you said last last show that you thought it was Chase Edmonds who would be running back one, James Conner would be the backup, just in terms of their level of talent. But it does seem that Arizona is comfortable with going with either; it doesn't really matter to them. And I still don't know if it's a guarantee, though, uh, the fact that they're comfortable with both, if that means they'll be passing up on a running back in the first round, possibly limiting the available running backs to the Steelers at pick 24. But it sounds like they're happy with both. But again, that's no indication of what they'll do in the draft.
0: James Conner, you know, when healthy, has been a better running back than Chase Edmonds, although Chase Edmonds has never really been a number one running back. He's never had more than 100 yard or 100 carries in a single season. Chase Edmonds has been like the Benny Snell
2: to James Conner yeah. or
0: to the Cardinals. He had 97 rushes for 448 yards and a tutty last year, uh, 4.6 yards uh per gain average on the ground uh Connor had a 4.3 yards per gain average on the ground with his 169 carries for 721 yards six tutties for him last year so uh as far as average per gain they're pretty similar backs Mm -hmm. Edmonds with a little bit of edge in that category if Edmonds had gotten the same amount of carries as Connor if the average is held held out Edmonds would have outrushed Connor on the season so I do think it's a very healthy competition in, in Arizona Uh, You do have to say, at least in my mind, that it's a downgrade for them because I think Kenyon Drake is a lot better than both of these receivers, especially in the kind of offense that Arizona wants to run. Like you were saying with that scat back using the uh, running back in the receiving game, Kenyon Drake's really good at Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's why Oakland went out and got him because Josh Jacobs might not be as strong in that kind of a category. So you get a guy like Kenyon Drake to help out with (laughs) your uh, out of the backfield passing game. But, yeah, I think it's a it's a decrease in the at the running back position you know they're for worse at that position now uh with Connor and Edmonds and you know another thing that's interesting is it, it seems to be some rewritten history when it comes to guys that leave either whether it be for Steelers fans or for Cardinals fans that are welcoming in a new player I have not seen so many people Tout and praise james connor like I have since he left for the cardinals right when he left there was a lot of people You know pointing out how dire the pittsburgh running game is and now that they're they're in big time trouble with the running back position They don't have anybody to really plug in there now And it's like weren't we all kind of on board with connor walking at the beginning of the season? like let's (laughs) not in the moment get surprised by it actually happening because I was under the impression that Steelers nation was 1000% on board for just letting this guy walk and the James Conner era in Pittsburgh being a bygone era at this point. So I'm just a little curious as to the reaction that's happening right now, where, you know, maybe it's the price and people are seeing that it's only 1.75 million for that one year. And people are saying, "Oh, the Steelers could have done that. Why didn't they bring him in? When, as it stands right now, you have Benny Snell and bollage and Anthony McFarlane as your running backs. But, uh, It just seems to be like there's a lot of people kind of remembering Connor for that one Pro Bowl season and not really acting like they were just earlier this season when he was having his injury problems and he wasn't as successful as he was in that Pro Bowl year. So I, I don't know. It's interesting to me the reaction that I'm kind of seeing from not just Steelers fans, but from fans around the NFL saying, oh, the Steelers are in so much trouble now because they let James Conner walk. This was in the cards from the beginning of the offseason. This is no surprise at all. I'm surprised that it just took this long for him to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I think it's a little surprising that it took this long too. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you talk about the reaction, like it seems like everybody, you know, is praising James Conner. And look, I get it. You know, he's a Pittsburgh kid. He, you know, played at Pitt, all that sort of stuff. So I understand Um, You know, the fans mind when a player like that leaves. But at the same time, you had to know that this was going to happen. Like you probably knew in week 16 last year that this was going to happen. Hell, even maybe week eight, you knew this was going to happen when Connor had missed three or four games already to that point. Like you had to know that this was going to be his last season. And, And again, to the point we've made before, like, is he even a top 20 back in this league anymore? Like, you have to get better in the running back room, and the people that are, you know, freaking out saying the running back, the running game is going to get worse, well, is it going to get worse when they draft a running back at 24? You know what I mean? Like, that's the thought process. And, and you can't continue to have him, him being Connor here and pay him like a number two because, again, that was the original idea, but he's already, you know, proven, I mean, at least teams look at him as a starter that he has started before the Steelers can't keep him here now as as a backup to a rookie and and continue to pay him. And I don't know. I think the story of Connor is, you know, is kind of weighing heavy too uh, um, for some people. And I'm not saying that it's not a great story or that it it doesn't matter because it does. But at the same time, he's not that same football player anymore. And I think that's something that people uh, really need to get through their heads is that they worry so much about the player and, and not, the product on the field. James Conner's product on the field isn't worth it anymore to the Steelers, and I don't think anybody should be surprised by that at this point.
2: It sounds like the people who are saying the Steelers messed up by letting James Conner go are the same people who said the Steelers messed up by letting Bud Dupree go, Steelers messed up by letting uh, Mike Hilton go when they could have kept him. They're just not paying attention right? I mean, there was no way at the time uh, when Bud's contract was up that they were going to be able to afford him. There were too much other pieces to work with that the Steelers could afford, and it wasn't worth keeping Bud over losing so many others. And in the Mike Hilton situation at the time, Jay Hayden was still on contract, Steve Nelson was still on contract, and Cam Sutton was still a possibility of being signed. You can't keep all four. It would have been a nice thing to have, but it was unlikely that you kept all four, and the Steelers were assuming, as the three of us did, that the Steelers were going to keep Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson. It was going to be either Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton who had to walk, and it was Mike Hilton in this case because the Steelers liked Cam Sutton more. So it sounds like the people who were saying the Steelers messed up by letting James Conner go, another integral piece to this team. Well, first of all, James Conner isn't an integral piece of this team. I mean, we said, as Calvin pointed out, in one of our previous episodes, for better or for worse, no matter which of these three guys in the draft that you bring in, they would be an instant improvement from not just James Conner, but James Conner and along with Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, Alex McFarlane. doesn't matter which combination of those guys you have, the one guy you get in the draft is going to be a better option for you as a team. So the people who were saying the Steelers messed up by letting him go, they're, They're fumbling all of their pieces away, just aren't paying attention to what the Steelers have to work with this year and what the Steelers' goal is for next year. And the priority is to fix the running game, and James Conner is going to fix the running game. So, no, those people just simply aren't paying attention if they say the Steelers messed up by letting him walk.
0: And honestly, even before this season, James Conner was on thin ice with a lot of, of course people he was. as far as his ability was concerned. it was. We've a... said
2: over and over how many times that the narrative of the running back room was the same this time last year as it was this time this year. Because we were all looking at the second round when the Steelers had their first pick to say, oh, there's a plethora of running backs there. You know, this year there's the, there's only three. And by the time I believe it was pick 42 or maybe pick 41 that the Steelers had first uh to, to select their first pick last year. Their first pick last year, right? Cuz they had no first round pick. There was JK Dombas on the board and people were saying, "Well, they have to get him. They have to get him." And they didn't. But people were saying they have to get him because James Conner doesn't seem like the guy anymore. And exactly, and it seems like
0: you were just settling with James Conner as mm. you're running back. Right. Uh, right. Not to say that he's terrible. Again, like you you look at his numbers just on Pro Football Reference and if you were, you know, someone that doesn't really watch football just looks at box scores and looks at his stats you'd say well he's never averaged less than four yards a carry every year uh, he got six touchdowns last year 721 yards you would say yeah this guy's a pretty good running back it's the health problem i don't think that there's any doubt that connor can be a running back in the nfl and there were some of those doubts when he came in from uh Pitt, you know his style of that kind of bruising running back but only being around six foot tall and 220 220 before he you know, beefed up when he got to the pros a little bit, you know, people were saying that style is not going to translate to the NFL. Well, he proved that that style could translate to the NFL for him to the tune of 973 yards and 12 touchdowns when he had the the reins in 2018 as the starter when he made that Pro Bowl. But his body can't hold up to the punishment that he likes to give out. That's – very clear. And unfortunately, he's not going to change his style of running. He's not going to slim down, try to become more of an agile kind of player. This is not his bag. He's been running a certain way since he was in high school. I mean, the guy was a defensive end when he got recruited for Pitt. His freshman year, he played defensive end and running back for Pitt. So I mean, he's a bruiser by, by heart. He's not going to change his style of running. Unfortunately, it's proven time and time again. 2018, when he only started in 12 games, 2019, when he could only start in 10, last year when he could only start in 11 games for the Steelers this style of running from James Conner is detrimental to his health every single time and that's why I just think he's a better suited backup somewhere in this league and you know unfortunately the Steelers probably had that in mind when they drafted him in 2017 you'll be the backup for Le'Veon Bell you'll be our spellback. you'll be uh, a guy that's going to come in and deliver some punishment whenever Bell needs a blow on the sideline you can get us some short yardage but We'll know how the bell saga played out after 2017 uh in 2018 connor had to step in and be the starter and as we saw he had his best year there but it's gone downhill ever since then it's just he can't take the grind of a full nfl season as a starting running back and jacob to your point if you were paying attention as a Steeler fan, you'd know that you'd know that he just can't get to the finish line. And, it's what we and talk about on the show
2: every day, it's what it's, Matt and Dale talk about, and we it's all not know it.
0: Just to the fact that, oh, he had one injury prone year and, and we're pulling the plug on him. No, we've given him chance after chance. We gave him a chance in 2019, we gave him another chance in 2020. He can't stay healthy. It was time to pull the plug and move on from him. So, uh, agreed. If you're paying attention, and you are you know an educated Steeler fan listening to the people in the know the lollies the williamsons the dulacs the caballis it was so clear that not only should you have been kind of fed up with connor but the steelers themselves were getting a little fed up with his inability to stay available
1: and what have we talked about so many times the best ability for an nfl player is availability. Yep and Connor just hasn't been available and and look it, it's not necessarily his fault that he's injury prone that he's been hurt a lot um his production it, happens to players, it does right it happens all the
0: time It ruins but- careers and it's a sad sad thing and like i said his career he if he stayed healthy He'd be a ten year vet in the NFL, and he'd probably make another Pro Bowl with the numbers that he can yeah, put up. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just not in his cards, and it's unfortunate.
1: No, it is, and and that's you know that's the unfortunate reality. But again, like I said, fans get so caught up in players and stories; it's they about, don't. It's
0: part of the like you said, it's part of the pit thing. The yeah, beating absolutely. cancer. He's from
1: Erie. All all
0: that adds into being sure a, I mean, a better player in fans' minds than you actually are.
1: And, you know, and and that's that's part of it. I get that, but at the same time, I think. You know, when you look at it, his production and his on the field stuff, just, you know, it's just not the same that it was since that second year. Yeah, he had that great second year when, you know, he was the everyday starter or every down starter, every the number one guy. But he hasn't even been close to that since then. And and it's been on a downhill slope ever since then. So you can't you can't um you can't afford to bring that guy back you can't even justify bringing him back especially where they're at now and i know the running game was bad but it's not because of james Conner that it was bad i mean sure he didn't help things but it's not you know losing him doesn't make the running game terrible all of a sudden right the people who are
2: justifying it are people who are looking for a feel-good story as Kellen, you touched on earlier, or homers who think there was really no problem with the running game or there was no problem with Juju off the field issues last year. These are people who have their blinders on and just think everything is fine. 12-4 and on paper was great. It playoff appearance is great. These people just aren't paying attention flat out. Uh,
0: If you are paying attention, though, this move signals that, and Dulac was quick to point this out on Twitter, if there was any inkling of doubt at all, this now confirms the Steelers will take a running back with either their first or their second pick in the NFL draft. And, Jacob, you said that we kind of all thought that last year. Right. When we get to that point, Dobbins is there, and we're all kind of licking our chops like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Like, it kind of reminded me of whenever the Steelers drafted Ryan Chazier. when we got close to that draft, it was the, oh, this guy would be perfect as the Steelers, but he's just never going to make it down here. And he did, and the Steelers picked him, and it was perfect. You kind of had the same thing with Jarvis Jones. I know Jarvis Jones was a massive bust, but <laughs> right. in the moment, everybody was like, <laughs> was oh my God, if him, he gets yeah. to 15 where the Steelers are picking, you got to snatch him up. Where do
2: you, he went to Georgia, right? Yeah, I mean, he it's, went to Georgia. It's the same thing as Georgia, uh, SEC, all those SEC schools. SEC
0: Defensive Player of the right. Year in Georgia. So, like, right. him falling was kind of a red flag in, in hindsight, but you know, when you're the Steelers, you don't see that kind of talent fall to where you're usually picking, snatching him up. Kind of the same thing with Dobbins. Like, Dobbins wasn't supposed to go in the first round, but wasn't exactly supposed to make it to where you were in the second round until he did. And, and you went with Claypool instead. So, But they both panned out so far. In the so far. The and potentially that decision was made because Colbert looks at his backfield and he still has a Connor that they're trying to give one more chance to. And he has a Benny Snell that he just drafted the year before. And he knows he can add some depth later in this draft. So he passes and he takes a Claypool. There's not going to be that luxury right, right. now. You know? If the first-round pick comes up and there's another player that fell a little bit that he really, really likes, he's not going to be able to put off a dire need like he did last year because his backfield is in even more dire straits than it was just a year ago. Unless they think James Benny Connor. Snell is the guy. And I don't think they think Benny Snell is the guy. <laughs> Do I, they think Kalen really Balaj is the guy? No, I don't. Because look, Jerry Dulac's probably one of the most plugged in people here. So when he tweets out immediately following the James Conner signing that this signifies the Steelers are picking a running back in the f- with their first or their second pick this draft, he's pretty on track. I'm sure there's people in. Uh, the organization that have been telling him that that's the track that they're going down in their draft meetings. And it's the right track to go down. And like we have said on For Better or For Worse, one of our previous episodes that you can find at Steelers.com or Apple or Spotify, just search for Steelers Standard, you know, this running back room is going to get better just by plugging in whatever rookie of the big three you eventually take. And I know Jerry said first or second pick in the draft for the running back, and he's right. If they don't do it first pick, it'll definitely be second pick. You gotta do it first pick because that's be. when at least two out of those three I think are gonna be available. If you wait till the second pick, you're gonna take Javante Williams might be there, but you're gonna take a risk at that point. And I don't think there should be any risks at all taken if you're the Steelers. Just no. Take whichever one of the running backs is left that you have highest on your board when you pick at number twenty-four. Hopefully it's Harris, but if he falls, I'm pretty positive that Harris will be the only one that falls off. I think Etienne and Williams are both going to be there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope so, and and I agree with you. It's it, it you it can't be your second pick. It has to be your first pick, um, because as you said, you. The running back room right now losing Connor, it looks like it's in dire straits. And that's what everyone's going off of when they're panicking about the run game and everything. Oh, it's just it's terrible now. Yeah, but if you take a running back in the first uh, with your first pick at number 24, all of a sudden that running back room looks a lot different. And it would look a lot different than it would if you take one in the second round as opposed to the first. You have to get that true blue Um, starting every down guy. And again, this is no guarantee that whoever they draft is going to pan out and is going to be healthy for his entire career. This could be another Connor situation. That happens a lot. But at the same time, you have to take this step forward. You have to kind of move on from, you know, and I don't want this to sound bad, but you have to move on from, you know, guys in the past that, to be honest, haven't really... Um, you know, the team hasn't really done anything, especially in the postseason since you know for a handful of years now. so I think it's time that you bring some new blood in you bring in um, you know a true blue, like I said, a number one guy and all of a sudden you're gonna have that rookie for four or five years and and hopefully it's longer than that. but I mean that's the hope you have to get these young guys in and especially now that you're gonna lose Big Ben after this year and, and who knows what the team's gonna look like after this year. You have to have as many guys as you can on rookie deals that you can control for four or five years.
2: Right. It's a it's a win-now mentality. And as much as offensive line help could help protect Ben and, and make him be a better player this year, an offensive lineman isn't going to win you a Super Bowl this year. A, a new running back with a new running game could easily help you do that. And there's no point of waiting one more year to get that guy. The, the action has to be taken this year. There's three guys who are all capable. Uh, three guys who we have taken in the first round of our mock drafts. And there's just no reason not to not to act now if the mentality is win now while Ben is still here.
0: One thing that absolutely gets upgraded, we said they'll be for better no matter what happens, what, what running back they take in the first round or potentially the second round uh, in this draft. One aspect that absolutely gets better is a part of Connor's game that was always lacking and a part of Snell's game that's lacking too. And that's the catching out of the backfield and being a threat in the receiving game. James Connor was never really that guy. He could catch you a ball every once in a while over the middle and, you know, take it for five, ten yards down the field, a good safety net. He wasn't like Lefeon Pell where he was running legitimate routes and and it was a receiving threat in that in that offense.
1: Right, and I, and I think that's something that you know if you look at James Conner's receiving numbers and especially what that that second year, like it might deceive you a little bit. Like what are you talking about? He was good out of the backfield, but it's different. It's it's him catching checkdowns. It's when Ben's under pressure, he dumps it to him for seven or eight or ten. He's not running legitimate routes out of the backfield. He's not. Lining up, um, you know, uh, it's he's not split out. I mean, sure, we've seen that a couple times, but he's not running the the same dynamic routes that uh, Le'Veon Bell did. And, and Le'Veon
0: I, Bell was kind of a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I mean, he would he's line a cheat up on code. the
1: outside, like he right. would be opposite of A B on some. Place. Right, right, like, and he would run, you know, curls or in in like actual like Texas routes, like actual routes, you know, ten yard outs. One thing you thing I see always, Connor doing that.
2: One thing I always love to remember is, even though the game ended poorly, the the Jacksonville playoff game. We there in was, the
1: wheel down the sideline.
2: And caught it on the corner of the end zone.
1: That's a receiver I, play. I mean, yes.
2: I mean, it was the best catch of the day. AB had a great one-handed catch, and Le'Veon Bell still made the better catch of the day.
0: So you're, you didn't have that aspect when Connor took over for Bell, and right. you haven't had it since, really. Uh, they tried to get it with depth pieces. Uh, Jalen Samuels, uh, Anthony McFarland. I think the jury might still be out on McFarland, but with Jalen Samuels, we definitely know what we got there, but... You know, Culbert's obviously recognized that he's got to try to add that dimension to his Absolutely. offense. And since Connor's not doing it, since Snell's not doing it, he went out and got a guy like Samuels who might be his only like real contribution in the NFL might be being a receiver and not a running back. But that didn't pan out. But now you got three guys that I think are better than Connor would ever have been at that in this draft. And honestly, If I'm looking at just receiving out of the backfield, I think Javante Williams might be the best out of the three in this draft class. I'd probably put Etienne as maybe the worst. Harris is number two. But I think all three of them are capable of lining up in a slot and and running a route or two. But this Javante Williams cat, I mean, and I think I'm still higher on Najee Harris and maybe Etienne too if they were available before him because as far as pure running backs are concerned, I think they're both better. But, man, this Javante Williams guy, he can catch some passes out of the backfield. He could be dynamic in the receiving game. So he would bring that element to the offense. Uh, but, as I said before, I think the other two, Etienne and Harris, would also bring that element to the offense as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And, I mean, again, we've talked about this a lot. Like, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the three um, and, and I think receiving, you know, is going to be, um, you know, a part of this. Like it's a part of the NFL now. You can't be a running back and not catch the ball out of the backfield. Like you have to be able to do that. And that's not a slight on James Conner saying that he couldn't, but he's not nearly to the level of any of these three guys out of the backfield. I think we can all agree on that. Anybody who who has paid attention can agree on that. But uh, you know, I, I think that you know you make a great point about Javante Williams. Like I think he probably is the best guy out of the backfield. Um, And, and, you know, I know we mentioned that like guys could line up in the, in the slot and run routes and things like that. We're not saying that they're going to be world beaters at that, but they have the ability to do so. You've at least seen it with Williams and ETN. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on Harris, whether he did that a lot. I know it's, kind of a different style of offense right. at Alabama you're not as spread out and that sort of thing so you I don't also know.
2: have the best prospects available right. to you at, at, at every position especially the offensive line so you right. don't know if that's inflating his numbers a little bit more
1: and it might be but the point is is that they're all more capable running oh, yeah, for, um, for sure. I, I think Harris is probably the best overall just pure running back but the other two definitely are closer to him because of what they bring in the receiving game.
2: Yeah, and it all depends, too, on what offense do you see out of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021, right? Are you going to see a more conservative type that you saw in 2020 with Randy Featner and Ben Roethlisberger making majority of the calls? Are you going to see the Matt Canada offense that you saw in those early games? And it depends on who you think is the best fit for the offense you know you'll be calling in 2021. I mean... As you said, Kellen, yeah, Najee Harris is probably the best pure runner. So does that mean do you want to take Najee Harris and then just kind of refer back to a run on short downs and do short dink and dunk passes for Ben? Or do you want to create a more dynamic offense under Matt Canada and bring in a guy like Travis Etienne or Javante Williams who can do a lot more for you in those packages? It's something the Steelers will have to consider, and I think it's going to play a big part in the decision they'll make. We all just hope and pray to God that they don't push this off to a later round, right? If they don't, if they don't go running back here, because there is the looming possibility that they kind of think to themselves, running backs don't deserve really a first round pick unless they were like a Reggie Bush, who we discussed in an earlier episode about. That is being, the
0: trend around the NFL. What that they don't deserve first round pick? No, they
2: don't. I mean, you rarely, rarely, rarely see it. The only time. I can recall recently that it was significant. Clyde Edwards-Elaire was picked in the first round last year, right? But
0: the last pick, correct? By the Chiefs. He was the only one I think he was taken. picked 32, yeah. And he was the only one taken. Right. That's and when
2: you see him in the first round, if you do, unless you're the Fournette or the Ezekiel Elliott. Or Saquon, right. or Barkley. The Saquon, or Saquon Barkley. Barkley. Or another example was Mark Ingram in 2011. But if you remember, Mark Ingram was the second first-round pick for the Saints. They selected Cam Jordan earlier in the first round, so technically he was like a second-round pick. Cam Jordan's a great player. Of course he was, and I would rather take Cam Jordan first than Mark Ingram first, but they were able to have two first-round picks, and essentially that's your second pick. So it's not a real first-round pick, but it technically is. So, yeah, I mean, the trend in the NFL in – the past two decades or so, or maybe 15 years, has been to kind of shy away from running backs because it's kind of easy to just plug in a guy unless it's someone super dynamic like Saquon or like Zeke. Running backs are more of the same, same same as wide receivers. I mean, wide receivers, that are just more plentiful of them, so you can reach on a wide receiver if you really want to. But maybe that's the, that's the only way I can see them not taking – a Harris, Etienne, or Williams in the first round if they say, we, we've stuck to this philosophy for so many years why change it now when we know our, our offensive of line needs this help and maybe they'll just bank on Javante Williams because I think he's the only one capable of falling all the way down to the second round but maybe they say okay we got our guy in the first, let's trade up in the second and then snag the Williams if he's there early enough. Well, it's one thing to draft the running back. It's a whole other
0: thing for the quarterback to use him correctly. So on our next episode of Steelers Standard, we will talk about Big Ben adjusting more towards the Matt Canada offense. Maybe adjusting is a wrong word there. Buying in more to the Matt Canada Mm. offense in the 2021 season, what that entails and. Is he more likely, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, to use a running game when it's more of a stud like a Najee Harris in the backfield as opposed to a James Conner, no offense to him. So we'll talk about all that on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, you can check out all of our Steelers standard shows at Steelers.com or Apple and Spotify is where you can go to download and subscribe to the podcast. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gersky, I am Tom Opferman. Always a pleasure, and we will talk to you next time.